Welcome to Mumbition, the podcast for business-owning women by Mums & Co, where we share inspiring stories of Australian mums in business. I'm Kerry Kwan, the co-founder of Mums & Co, and I will be joined each week by our community manager, Lucy Kippist. Together, we'll discuss how our guests harmonise their ambition, livelihood, and well-being. Let's get into the inspiring stories now. In the spirit of reconciliation, Mums & Co acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to Elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. number one thing you need in your business or life right now? It's the question we put to all of our Mums & Co members in the onboarding process and we ask this for a reason. It's because we all need encouragement to make the ask and we are committed to creating a safe and inviting space for this to happen. Today's guest, Brooke McCarthy, coins it having the audacity to ask, a phrase we've adopted with great enthusiasm here at Mums & Co. As Brooke so often shares with such passion in her engaging LinkedIn posts, it's by facing our fears instead of squashing them and finding our voice to articulate what we want, that's where the magic happens. I can't wait to hear more. Brooke, welcome to the Mumbition podcast. Thank you, Carrie. It's lovely to be here. Uh, Well, look, we're thrilled and we want to know all about um, what you do. Uh, I love this this audacity. I love being brave. So the first question we often ask to any business owning mother is, um, can you tell us about your business? And we think that women should embrace the every opportunity that they have to make introductions and connect with customers. So please, can you share your 30 second elevator pitch? I'd love to. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to practice. Uh, So my name is Brooke McCarthy. I'm a business coach and a digital marketing trainer. I work with small business owners in service-based businesses who would rather just do the work than talk about it. And I help them to build their professional reputation so they can attract the best fit ideal clients for them and opportunities come to them. I'm wondering at this point in time, what do you love most about your business? I think it's a really interesting time, 2020, 2021. And uh, personally, I have loved watching um, (laughs) the fall of so much of the status quo. There's been so many massive big shifts historically, uh, culturally, there's been shifts in the business world. Um, you know, last year, especially in uh, during you know the pandemic, but also the fall of Trump. What a great time to live through! Black Lives Matter and its effect throughout the world. There's been such such monumental shifts, and I think it can only be good for women such as us, who have long been kind of you know given the scraps at the table really it's it's so nice to see um you know massive shifts in market share this year and last year when businesses either rose to the challenge or failed dismally and you know they either gained or lost market share in you know great 
fell swoops. I think also the pressure that women are under right now, working mothers particularly, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because I think we need to get to a point where we're mad as hell and we're just not going to take it anymore for real change to actually happen. And that that has been a groundswell. Like there's there's this been this build up, and I think it has been a bit of a you know a, a watershed moment for so many things in terms of flexibility and how we need to work and the support that we need from you know on the domestic front, but also on you know from employ employers. Mm-hmm. It's a really fascinating time, and we need to try and use that in the best way to to create that change and to sustain that change. Absolutely. So, Brooke, you've spoken there. I got goosebumps where you were talking about that groundswell because it absolutely, I feel that, 100%. I'm wondering what you've had to stop doing in, in your life or your business in order to make the business that you have, have created in, in the time before COVID and, and as much now. Oh, look, there's so many things, so many things. I think probably off the top of my head, the biggest thing has been resisting the temptation to try and understand how other people perceive me. Uh, I think this is something that we are definitely socialised and conditioned as women. Uh, We can't just act in the world. We always have to kind of anticipate how our actions and our appearance will be received by our audience. It's something, you know, that women particularly suffer with. But also, you know, when you work in public relations, which I did, you know, this is just something that you learn. You learn, you're always thinking about communication from the perspective of, you know, how are my words going to fall? How is my message going to be received? And if you're constantly thinking like that, it really does stymie you and stop you from doing your best work. You know, it, it is not easy to communicate effectively and to say something worth listening to if you're constantly second guessing yourself and worrying about how your message is going to be received. You know, and that, that extends also to being liked. You know, this is kind of a related topic as well. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We're often judged for wanting to be liked. I don't think it's a bad thing to want to be liked. You know, it just means that we care about other people. We're social animals. We're, we're um, you know, beings that belong together, all good things. But when it comes to business, you know, you are probably going to, you know, have a few people that they get their noses out of joint and oftentimes it will have nothing to do with you. Uh, and learning to kind of live with that and learning to thrive with that and learning to not fixate and worry so much about other people's opinions I think is absolutely critical if your business is to grow and you are going to find, you know, peace of mind and resilience over the long term. A hundred percent and that obviously that that philosophy is a building block towards what we talked about in the intro there around your business you know, being encouraging for women to actually ask for what they want. Because mm. in order to do that, you do have to drop the notion that you need to be, you need to be liked or that it needs to mm. be done in a certain way to make it, I suppose, inverted commas, comfortable for everybody else. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, you have to live with the possibility that, that they may say no. Um, although, you know, nowadays people don't say no, they just ghost you or, you know, ignore you. So that's, that's good too. You know, and that that's, that's not the worst thing in the world. You know, if somebody says no to you or if somebody ignores you, it's, you know, you're not going to die. You are not going to be physically injured from this. You know, your ego may have a rebuff, but that's, that's not a bad thing either. Mm. And I guess that, that, um, notion of us, 
being brave enough to do that or gaining the courage to do that, probably a better way of saying it, is something that, you know, you promote in your business. But what what is something that you personally need right now in your business or your life? What's what's the ask that you'd have for us and our community? Thank you again. Well, what, a, what a lovely, lovely thing to be asked. Look, I love to talk. You've probably gathered that already. I can talk under, I can talk under wet cement. You know, I had a journalist call me last year uh, from the New Daily website and they're like, Brooke, are we just wondering if you have an opinion on whether it's a good time to start a business in the middle of a global pandemic? And I'm like, dude, I was born to answer this question. <laughs> so, look, you know, I really enjoy being interviewed. I love being on podcasts. I love being able to toss ideas around with people, you know, and be challenged on my own thinking and hear diverse opinions from other people. I think every time you know, your your opinions are challenged. They can probably only get stronger, either that or, you know, you go, wow, that, as it turns out, I had an incomplete picture and I'm going to change my mind, which is a great thing as well. So, yeah, I think um, podcast interviews and media interviews are probably my number one ask right now. You're, as well as being a busy business owner, you're also a mum of two girls. What have you found to be the most sort of transferable skills between being a mum and being a business owner? Oh, so many things. Um, I think, you know, the, the most obvious probably is time management. The most obvious is the fact that when you've got young kids, especially when they're really small, you know, you really get good at prioritising and discerning and you have to get good at prioritising and discerning. So my partner and I have been self-employed. We're both self-employed. We both work from home. Uh, me for 11 years, him for about 12, I think, 12 or 11. And then we had children at in, in that time period and there were 21 months between them. There are 21 months between them. And that, that was chaos when they were tiny. So I used to charge by the hour way back when. I was a digital marketing gun for hire. I used to manage multiple different business marketing and every month I'd have to produce, you know, articles, newsletters, social media posts, website updates, all kinds of different things. And I would keep my time in a notepad next to my laptop. It was five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. The things I could do in 20 minutes, oh, my God, it was like a universe. So, you know, I got really, really good at thinking what is the most important thing I need to do right now like today not in three months time not there wasn't a lot of space for creative thinking it's not uh ideal it's far from ideal for creative thinking and for strategic thinking big picture thinking um, but certainly you get very very good at discerning between you know the must do and the you know it can wait mm, absolutely i completely agree with that <laughs> i find there's also the you know give me 10 minutes and I need to sort of have a next level. Do you want that with kids or without kids? Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, Carrie, like, give me 20 minutes on my own right now. And I could, I could, I swear I could do my whole week's work. <laughs> yeah. And I used to do, you know, like I got pretty good, you know, at really maxing out a day. For example, I would never go shopping by myself. I would always go grocery shopping with the kids mm. because, you know, if I had time by myself, I wasn't wasting it buying groceries. <laughs> <laughs> I 
was doing, you know, I was doing stuff. I was doing work stuff. So if I had the kids, that's when I was cooking, cleaning, you know, doing the household kind of kind of things. And if they were hanging off my ankles, which they often were, well, you know, that's life. That's that's what happened. You know, my sister sometimes complains about the kids. You know, I can't cook when the kids are here. I'm like, dude, I, I never cooked without the kids hanging off my ankles for like, you know, three or four years. Value maximization. Love it. So we're at Mums Co. We um we are all about community and that support around us. Um, it's in our name. The co stands for the partners, and you've mentioned your husband, friends, family, clients. Can you tell us about your co and how they support you? Look, I think my clients would have to be one of the first in line for sure as it relates to my business because I have gone out of my way to work with people that I respect and admire. I'm aiming for a mutual admiration society and, you know, this is what I teach other business owners to do as well because I have had the opposite. I have, you know, spent a lot, invested a lot of time in working with people who are energy vampires who are not my ideal client, who uh, would be far better off working with somebody else um, for a variety of different reasons. And I think that honing your marketing so that it works like a magnet to uh, repel people who are a bad fit and attract people who are a good fit. And I think that there is somebody for everybody, you know, somebody who a personality type which doesn't work with my personality type could very well be a perfect fit for somebody else, for one of my competitors. So, you know, I love working with clients that challenge me. I love working with clients where I feel a little bit out of my depth. I feel like I'm learning. I feel like I'm expanding. I feel like they're pushing me to be, you know, the best I can be to to rise to the challenge. Um, So that would probably be number one. And number two, my partner is, um, he fulfills the role of a wife. He, he, he really is. And I think it's important to say this because I don't ever want anybody to look at me through social media and think, oh, wow, she's some kind of miracle worker who can, you know, manage everything. That is so far from the truth. You know, one of the reasons that I'm able to work with the two girls at home is because my partner is my partner. He looks after the grocery shopping. He takes care of homeschooling. He's like the headmaster. It's hilarious. I love it. I keep seeing photos. (laughs) It's so not me. And, you know, he does a lot of that kind of heavy lifting that that the woman or the wife, um, you know, traditionally fulfills. So, you know, he's he's a massive reason that I'm able to do what I am able to do in my business. And you know, I, what I'm getting very clear sense of, you know, when you talk about your clients and avoiding energy vampires, um, I love that term, and, and looking at your Instagram page where we know that you embrace the idea of facing our fears and asking for exactly what you want in business and life and then, you know, how you've chosen the qualities that you want in your partner, I feel like I know how you're going to answer this, but what's the one thing that you tell yourself before making an ask in the business context? I have to be a little bit careful because I am um, highly creative and highly empathetic. So I'm easily excited. I'm easily, you know, enthusiasm is one of my strengths. So I see opportunities everywhere. Like everywhere I turn, I see an opportunity that I could pitch myself for. And I've had to learn to, you know, be a bit more discerning and to bind myself. 
you know, because especially as a teacher and a trainer, you know, I, I could teach and train on all matter of topics within my particular sphere, you know, in a whole bunch of different audiences. So I think the, you know, the, the first thing that I kind of ask myself is, do we share a similar audience? Um, and, you know, would I be proud to be associated with this business organisation or individual? Because, you know, there has been a number of collaborations that I've done in the early days of business where I was, you know, I was a little bit embarrassed to kind of be associated. And obviously that is far from ideal because, you know, you're not going to do the best job and you're not going to actively promote the collaboration if, you know, you're a bit a bit iffy about the brand. You know, in terms of creating a deeply caring space for business owning women, business owning mothers, you know, we look at upskilling, we look at networking. Mm. And I'm also fascinated with this journey that we have, which is quite we take on quite a lot of risks when we're running a business. Mm. How do you protect your business? That's a good question. I look, I don't think I think like that. I mean, I would love to be a little bit more like that. I'm the kind of person who jumps in the deep end. But, you know, certainly I think that right here and now, a lot of it has to do with mood. So a lot of it has to do with protecting um, my mood and my attitude so that uh, I'm going to do the best job possible. And I think that it's it's something which is difficult to kind of notice. Um, it, it, you know, it's a little bit like the analogy of, you know, boiling the frog where, you know, you turn up the water, you turn up the heat slowly, you know, and the person doesn't notice that actually their attitude or their mood is pretty funky, pretty low. It kind of happens slowly over time. The more risks I take in business, the more I grow, the more I push myself outside of my comfort zone, you know, the more scared I get, the more important self-care becomes, the more important it is for me at the very least to have a good night's sleep, not just once, but every single night, you know, and to do those things that I know are going to be good for my mental health. Because, you know, it is true that things that don't, that used to be a big deal don't become far less of a big deal. You know, if, if a client, you know, if a proposal that I was excited about got rejected, for example, six, seven, eight years ago, that might have put me in a bad mood for three days, whereas now, you know, maybe five minutes and I'll move on. But bigger, you know, growth, bigger risks, bigger stress, means, you know, other things become a problem and then, you know, it's really important to mitigate that risk with self-care. I cannot overstate that. That's a perfect segue to the next question that we were going to ask you actually, Brooke, around the the self-care element because, you know, listening to you speak, especially about sleep then, I so agree with you. A good night's sleep, for example, last night I had a terrible night's sleep and Mm. everything feels really tough and Mm. and reminding myself, don't make that decision now. Don't do that now. Don't say that now. Yeah, yeah. Because tomorrow you will feel better. And I've had enough of those in my life as a mum to know that that is true. And it's such sound business advice because you really are a different person. I mean, most people are without that adequate sleep. So, yes, definitely one for us all there. What's something else that you do to ensure your own well-being? Is there another thing that you you might do daily? Is there an exercise? You a meditator? Yeah, I am an on and off meditator. I've been meditating since I was 17. Um, And, you know, I'd I'd love to tell you I do it daily. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, 
I'm not going to tell you that. I've done yoga. I'm also a yoga teacher. Uh, I've done yoga over a long period of time. But in the last few years, I've taken up weightlifting and I just love it. So uh, I've been weightlifting this morning. I, I do pretty kind of high intensity exercise and weights and I find that that is absolutely you know if only I'd realized years and years ago how good it was for mental health I would have been all over it Um, but it wasn't until vanity got the better of me that I started you know doing this and I just find that it is so so useful so yes you know there's there's 25,000 small rituals that I do in my business one thing when a zoom um, call finishes when I've finished coaching or training or having conversation with somebody uh, over the internet I always get up doesn't matter even if I'm just going to get a glass of water I always walk away from the computer I find that super useful Mm. and then you know doing my best to keep social media at a you know to to kind of self-bind myself for that because it is highly addictive and I am a keen user of social media and most of the time it's enjoyable but it absolutely does start to have an effect where you know it's just a lot of noise and there's you know, it, it, it doesn't, it's not good for deep thinking. It's not good for following a trajectory of thought. It really is, you know, a lot of disparate information packed into a device. So yeah, that's not, that's not useful for my brain. And, it, you know, it, it took some years after I did social media marketing for a living to actually, you know, regain the ability to think deeply I don't think that gets talked about nearly enough when you outsource your social media marketing to somebody, you know, in effect, you are paying them to, you know, lose their ability to think deeply because they're having to scour the internet, you know, all day, jumping from thing to thing to thing to thing. It absolutely has an effect on your ability to think. That is a fantastic tip. It's coming from someone who was you know, apologising for tweeting at, at events when Twitter first launched because I felt like I was being rude being on my phone. Um, you know, I, I've had my fair share of that digital digital um, load and I think it's something that's a message that we, we do need to share with particularly business mums. You know, we do need to be prudent about how much time we spend on it mm-hmm. and set those strict that strict sort of structure but also look yeah. at some tools that might be able to help them digest their content and curate their content better so they're not mm-hmm. themselves like you know finding those tools even in Hootsuite or yeah. the sort of keywords that you can monitor and they're the ones you look at rather than yeah physically scrolling yeah absolutely and I think you know I think all of us could do a better job because I think if 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 we were to be questioned on this most um, Australian mothers in business would say sure I support small business absolutely I'd prefer to you know spend my money with the little guys but yet when we're on social media we're following influencers with massive you know millions of followers who aren't that interesting at the end of the day. You know, they might have a nice-looking body and a bikini, but really they're not adding much. Um, And there are so many little guys doing really interesting things. So it's not just about spending your money with small businesses. It's also about spending your attention. You know, attention is our most valuable commodity. 
And if you can curate your socials so that you've got some really thoughtful, interesting people that challenge your thinking and challenge your opinions, you can actually use social media to develop your thought leadership in your, you know, topic of expertise. Amazing. And whilst we're on tips, I I did want to ask for those that are considering starting a business, Brooke, what is the most important tip in growing a business that you can pay forward? Easy. This is easy to answer. And I'm sure you're in agreement with this. It's pitching. So many people, oh, my God, so many people start a business and they come to me and they're like, oh, my Instagram's not growing very quickly. You know, I don't seem to be selling much through Instagram. I'm like, dude, get off Instagram and get out there, pound the pavements, call people, Google, introduce yourself to strangers, you know, talk to people, like go and actively grow your network because if you're trying to grow a business on Instagram, it's going to be really slow going without a significant injection of cash. You know, I'm not I'm not dishing uh, social media. You know, it's great to do social media, but this is nurture marketing and it's attract marketing that you want to focus on in the early days of your business. So that means, you know, pitching yourself as a speaker if you're that way inclined, pitching yourself as a podcast guest if you're that way inclined, pitching yourself as a guest blogger if you like to write, you know, introducing yourself to organizations, businesses that share a similar audience where you can borrow their audience in order to grow your own. And in that practice, you're also going to grow your expertise because you're going to have opportunities to actually use your skills and show off your skills to best effect. The best pitch on pitching. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) We love talking about at Mums & Co, Harmony is a triangle of ambition, livelihood and well-being. Could you describe the shape of a good life for you? Oh, nice. What is the shape of a good life? It would would definitely involve food, (laughs) lots of it. Uh, I knew I was a glutton before lockdown, but <laughs> so the highlight of every day is dinner and they're getting more and more extravagant. Lunch is also becoming quite extravagant. Um, so, look, I think that personally uh, I love uh, pushing the envelope. I love seeing what I'm capable of. I love hearing ideas that I've never heard before. I love being challenged on my opinions. I like that feeling of being stretched. So that's definitely part and parcel of what I would consider well-being. But then part of that, the flip side of that, of course, is that you do need your creature comforts, you know, if you, especially if you're kind of out there at the periphery, you know, whether that's intellectually or, you know, beyond that, because I'm, you know, I'm certainly not a, you know, emergency doctor or doing anything that, that exciting. Um, but you need to take care of yourself. So I'd definitely put friends and family in there. Um, you know, I've had a couple of big overseas trips with extended friends and family where there's a group, you know, a large group of us. And it's it was such a joy and such a privilege. And especially now that we can't go anywhere beyond our lounge room and our hallway and our fridge, it, you know, I'm so grateful to have had that. And I'm I'm so excited to do more of that even within, well, not even, but, you know, especially within Australia, there's such a massive country and so many beautiful parts of it that I'd love to explore further. I also want to point out that ambition is often seen as a dirty word for women in particular. And, you know, I think a lot of us have a vexed relationship with that. So learning how to recognise that in yourself, if that is a problem for you, 
uh, and learning how to um, reconcile that I think is super important because it's, you know, it is an, it is a, a, a strange beast ambition and it can cause, you know, it can rob you of your peace if you are constantly thinking of the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And I'm speaking from bitter experience here. Um, you know, so learning how to kind of live with our desires and to to actually embrace that and realise that if we deny our desires, if we deny our ambitions, they don't go away. They just tend to, you know, transmute into depression or anxiety or rage. And I see that with women all the time, you know, and I, I really want to kind of, I think it's fabulous that mums and co are focused on that, on that angle, because I think there's a lot of healing to be done for women and, and ambition. Thank you for mentioning that, uh, Brooke. And we feel like this, we're so, we're so passionate about this, that, you know, we, we've trademarked the term mumbition, which is mm. the unapologetic blending of motherhood and ambition. It, it is a very complex area and we see identity uh, linked very much to ambition. So that that can't be suppressed um, or, or diminished or minimised because you become a mother. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that tr- that's a tremendous answer to that question. Really, really, really amazing to listen to. You're obviously an incredibly passionate supporter of women and women in business. So we'd love to give you the opportunity now to say hello to the mumbitious in your own network that you think are doing a great job at the moment. Oh my goodness, there's so many people and I'm going to, I feel like I'm giving a speech at the Oscars. (laughs) 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 I've got to like miss people and piss them off uh, and feel bad about that. Um, But, you know, off the top of my head, uh, Alyssa Jane is a fabulous um, website designer based up in Brisbane uh, with a business called Flourish Online. Melanie Miller is a fellow business coach based up in the Gold Coast. She has a business called The Profit Lovers. Uh, Lisa Corduff is down in Melbourne. Uh, Louise Nealon is one of my clients. She works in publicity and PR here in Sydney for purpose-based businesses. Another client, Michelle Walker, also a Sydney cider. She does, she's an architect um, up in the Northern Beaches. Um, you know, that's just a, a handful of people off the top of my head. Um, you know, and like I said, I'm sure I've missed many, many more. So please hit me up if, if anyone's listening to this and you want a recommendation. Uh, a copywriter, Di Challoner, another Sydney cider, another client. I've got plenty of um, great women that I would love to refer refer you to. Wonderful. Brooke, um, listening to you has been a treat today. There's so much to take away from this conversation. So thank you so much for your time. And thank you, everyone else, for your company. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. And if you'd like to follow Brooke McCarthy, you can find her on Instagram at Brooke McCarthy. And she's also very prolific on LinkedIn. If you haven't already, come and join our mumbitious, supportive movement of thousands of Australian business owning women just like you at mumsandco.com.au. Thank you. What does it feel like to own a business? What a great question. I think it feels very exciting. There is nothing more exciting than when somebody wants you to uh, do something for them and then they pay you and then you can use that money for chocolate or ice cream or whatever you like. Owning a business, I think, is an awesome idea. 
uh, and I went back to my high school and I told all the students that that's a really good idea for them to consider too. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Mumbition by Mums & Co. Head over to the show notes for a full transcript of the interview and any links we have referred to. Mums & Co. is Australia's most caring business network for women. Join us today for just $30 at mumsandco.com.au. This podcast was produced and edited by Morgan Sebastian Brown of Brown Tree Productions and hosted by Kerry Kwan, co-founder of Mums & Co., and Community Manager Lucy Kippis. We love hearing your feedback, so if you haven't already, please share, rate and review this podcast and we can reach more business-owning mothers just like you.